And welcome back here on another edition of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel. And oh, we gotta quit doing this. <laughs> we gotta quit having these disappointing games. And and uh man, I uh had a pound of five hour energy here before I uh, did this to kind of pep up my step a little bit. I'll be honest, it's been it's been kind of a rough few days. This one this one uh was not a fun one. Hit me a little hard, but I tell you what, I'm trying to rebound and uh, bring as much energy and positivity as I can. But I definitely have some thoughts and some opinions, and we will get to all of that. But let me tell you about first what is coming up. So on this week's edition of Bleeding Green, this week's player interview is another really, really good one. I tell you, group of receivers that we have, all of these guys, great dudes with great stories that are just great to talk to. Rashad Shelton, number eight, senior wideout for the Bearcats, is uh, is this week's player interview. I'll be joined by voice of the Washburn Ichabods and former Ichabod himself, Jake Lebon. He'll be joining me. John Coffey, voice of the Bearcats on the Bearcat Radio Network. And, of course, Mr. Eli and the Bearcats, according to Eli. Now, I'm going to do things a little bit differently this week. Is I'm going to play clips from the post-game press conference and from uh, this week's media luncheon first, and then going to give you my thoughts. And uh, because, and, and and there's a couple of them where I'm going to play clips kind of back-to-back because Coach had, you know, some, uh, some interesting things to say. It definitely, you know, got a lot of attention. Kind of clarified those comments then on Tuesday. Uh, the media luncheon, and so I I want to play those things kind of back to back, and so typically, right, I come on here, give you my thoughts, then we ease into um, clips and things. Uh, Mikey Hohensy, by the way, was the player interview. I don't really have any uh, clips from Mikey that I'm going to play. We're just going to stick with uh, stick with what Coach had to say. Clayton Power, by the way, who's been a standout dude on the D line this year, but who's got a what's what's a better name, by the way, for a defensive lineman? than power. I mean, you, you gotta love it. So, um, another one of the young kind of breakout players that we've seen a lot of on defense this year. So, um, it's, it's been a rough one. I think the team has, has bounced back. Coach Rice talked about it at the media luncheon this week. They had a really, really good practice on Monday. We're kind of able to, to flip the script a little bit, but it was not fun. It was not, it was not a fun place to be around after that game on Saturday. Uh, because I think it, it was there to be one. Listen, I understand Pitt's good. I understand they're the number two team in the country. Um, I did not see a massive talent disparity between these two teams. And, uh, you know, you, you don't have the kind of game you have offensively. Um, you know, if you, you improve that and, and you know, and, and don't have key turnovers and make some plays on fourth downs and, and things. Uh, anyway, bef- before I get into all that, I want to play some clips. The first clip is Coach Wright after the game. He's he's going to get, uh, you know, the fake punt is something that got a lot of attention. Okay, um, and and let's hear from him what he had to say, and then I'm going to give you my thoughts. It was there. Um, it was wide open, and we missed it. And you know, in a big football game like this, you have to capitalize on those opportunities, and we didn't do it. Um, I kicked myself in the tail for most of the first half when we didn't get it, but but it was there. Um, go back and watch the film. Um, Jake Fisher was wide open, 
and we didn't hit it. And so when you're playing games like this, you got to ex- execute those those critical plays. And, you know, it's it was just frustrating. Well, that's for sure. And, and it was there. Here, here are my thoughts, and here are my thoughts immediately when it happened in the moment in the stands on Saturday. I love the play call. Absolutely loved it. You know, I think some of the people, listen, people have been critical of Coach Wright for a million different reasons and whatever, you know, and – I don't care. I'm not going to address every single one of those things. But one of the things is maybe being conservative at times. That was not. That was coming out. I, I love that. Like that, That's what I've basically been begging to see more of this year. Unfortunately, you know, the execution of the play, mm, poor. I'm being kind. But it is what it is. Listen, it, you got to make those plays. But but I, I loved that. Now, now listen, y- you go back and look at the flow of the game, right? touchdown off of that and then that kind of starts a 21 point avalanche by Pitt. Um hindsight's 2020. 20. I don't have a problem with it. I I in the moment I loved it and I still don't have a problem with it by the way. It didn't work out. Like I said hindsight's 2020. 20. Of course, every play that doesn't work's a bad play and every play that did work is a great play, right? And so um I thought it was obviously the right time. It was just unfortunate that uh that the execution of the play wasn't there. Now, I want to play a clip of Coach Wright talking about the team's overall performance on Saturday. Those kids played hard. They played their guts out today. And, um, you know, I was proud of the effort. Uh, we just, we, like, again, I'll take full responsibility for the fake punt. That was my decision to go for that. And that cost us points. Um, you know, otherwise, I thought our kids on defense played pretty well for the most part most of the day uh, missed some tackles here and there gave up a couple of plays but uh, didn't give up any explosive scores um, you know they got the ball on our off the pick on our five yard line was that correct or thereabouts um, I mean I don't I don't know what to say about that listen the offense obviously didn't play well and um, you know coach Wright defensive coordinator right is judging that from a defensive point of view um but i think that could maybe those comments could be construed the wrong way he, he kind of clarified that at the media luncheon on tuesday we win as a team we lose as a team you know there are certain games this year where you know the offense is is at our back um you know we like to think that we do the same for them it's because you you can't win as a defense and you can't win as an offense you got to win as an entire unit and that, that's exactly true. And uh, hopefully the Bearcats can do that again. Hey, three games that should help the offense, right? Should help the, the offensive averages and all of that stuff, which don't look great at this point in the season. You got seven teams ahead of you averaging more points than you on the season. Um, but it's an opportunity for the offense to uh, hopefully get some confidence going into the offseason and just the team in general. I think um, seven and four is not a disaster. I think it, it would it was easy to look at the schedule, especially after the Hayes loss, and say, okay, seven and four, I can see that eight and three'd be great. But uh but seven and four, I'm okay with that. Let's let's win these next three games and uh and get some confidence. And uh boy, let, let's start by winning one. <laughs> but anyway, I'm not gonna spend too much more time on that. But again, I just try to give context with with not playing one clip over the other and uh, you know, kind of give uh, uh, 
Coach Wright a chance of rebuttal <laughs> over over the first comment. But here's here's the big one. This is the one that got all of the attention was uh, how he ended the post game press conference um, talking about leadership and leaders of the past um, compared to now. And here's what he had to say after the game. When I got back here in 2004, um, it was a very different program than when I left. We were, when I left in 96, we were on the rise. And uh, I remember coming back here in 04 and, you know, the 02 and 03 teams didn't live up to expectations. And it took a group of individuals that decided to say, this is enough that propelled us to the next five national championship games. I was also here in 2011 and 2012 after Scott passed. And it was eerily similar that people lived off of what other people had done. Um, good football teams, okay, have good coaches. Great football teams have great leaders from within. And the moment that that happens, this script will flip. Until that happens, um, we've got to suffer a little bit. Now, strong words, seems harsh. Before I comment on that, Coach Wright had an opportunity to clarify his statement and say what he meant um, on the media day on Tuesday. Here's what he had to say. What I'm really talking about, when I talked about the leadership in the post-game press conference, so everybody is clear, okay, is that we have phenomenal kids here. We've always had phenomenal kids here. The teams that I've been a part of that end up being great teams um, do everything that's asked, but then there's a level of personal accountability and um, holding each other accountable in everything that we do. And, and that's probably one of the most difficult things to teach young people. It's real easy to be able to come to practice every day and do the right thing. It's another thing to have to challenge your teammates who may or may not be doing everything they possibly can to win. And, and the teams that we've had that have been great, um, you know, that's been the dynamic that's, that's been the secret sauce. And we just have to learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable with one another. Let me say this, and there's a reason why I kind of played both of those back to back like that. I wanted to give context again, I'm not trying to play some clip and make up some story where there's not. Um, in the first clip could be considered harsh words. I felt like I knew what he was getting at. Um, Saturday, I'm not trying to sound smart or anything else, but I've you know been around coach right enough that. You know, he's not the kind of guy to just willy-nilly make excuses, throw shade, throw people under the bus, things like that. And so I didn't think that was really what he was getting at. And then hearing Tuesday's comments, it was more or less what I thought he was getting at. And, you know, it's it's not that there's not leaders on this team, not that there's not good leaders on this team, but there are guys, and, and this is tricky, any of us know this, because this isn't just a football thing, it's you know, in the corporate world, wherever, if you're somebody that's going to call people out, boy, you have to be real secure in yourself and you have to have respect to begin with. If you don't, it's, it's a in one ear out the other type of thing. And that's kind of what I gathered from all that of what coach was getting at. Now, listen, emotions were high after the game. Everybody was pretty disappointed from the field to to everywhere else on Saturday. And so, you know, by the time Tuesday rolls around, it, you know, we all have kind of time to reflect. And again, that's why generally I wait until Wednesday night 
to kind of put this together, to gather my thoughts, because I also don't want to come off here like so many fans do on social media. Uh, as I have frustrations. <laughs> I was very frustrated with the offense. And, you know, you, you want to start throwing blame around? There's plenty to be thrown around. But I also don't want to be somebody that piles on, right? And and I've said before, and I'm going to stay true to this, I'm not somebody that's going to come out here and call out players, call out coaches, whatever. But I'll say this, offensively, everyone needs to do a better job. Everyone involved with it. Top, all the way down to the scout team guys that have to practice hard to get the starters ready to go. So, and not that the defense is perfect or anything else, but um, anyway, just my two cents worth. I'm not going to pile on. It is what it is. Um, I will say, by the way, though, 02 was a pretty fun season. <laughs> that was my first uh, uh, first introduction to Bearcat football. And uh, it uh, Johnny Mack at quarterback, Coach Boda was still the offensive coordinator, just chucking the ball around all over the place. Anyway, we talk about 02, I, I get a little nostalgic. And, uh, and plus, why not talk about a happy memory, <laughs> right? Oh, big game for the Bearcats. Lots more to come here on Bleeding Green. Let's uh, let's try to shift gears here, stay positive. I'm really excited about this interview. Rashad Shelton is not a guy I've had an opportunity to chat with, and he is somebody that that uh, I've heard a lot about, heard as being a, just a great guy, and he's got a really interesting story, so I'm, I'm excited to have him. He is this week's player interview next. Also, we'll hear from Washburn Ichabod voice, Jake LeBon, and... Bearcat play-by-play voice, John Coffey. So as another regular here on the podcast. Don't forget the Bearcats according to Eli as well. So let's shift gears, take a timeout. My interview with Rashad Shelton next here on Bleeding Green. Welcome back in here on Bleeding Green. Time for this week's player interview. Joined by senior wide receiver number eight, Rashad Shelton. And uh, Rashad, man, thank you so much for taking a little time and uh, joining me here on Bleeding Green. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. It's, a, it's an honor. Well, let's let's get to know you a little bit. I mean, you, um, you know, that kind of came in as a, as a transfer here before last season. Um, oh. Menifee, California. Am I saying that right? Yes, that's Menifee. That's where uh, my high school was. Okay, where did you grow up then? Originally, I'm a I'm from Los Angeles. I grew up in uh, my dad lived in Carson, California. My mom lived in Hawthorne, so the L.A. County area. Okay, all right, gotcha. A little bit different than uh, than Maryville, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, much different. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, kind of tell me about growing up. Tell me a little bit about your family and and what uh, what growing up around L.A. was like. Uh, yeah, it was, um, it was cool, I guess. Um, pretty busy all the time, always um, doing something. Like, I was pretty busy as a kid. I, I was just talking to my dad about it the other day, um, how as a kid I was always kind of running around when I was playing basketball and football because I played um, youth football for the Carson Coats, which was a pretty, like, I wouldn't say, like, powerhouse, but, like, it was pretty known uh, football program and. um uh, 
Los Angeles, and my mom, she uh, put me in basketball before I played football. So actually, basketball was my first sport. My dad put me in football, but basketball was like my first ever like um, organized organized uh, sport. So that's just kind of what I did. As really been my mom and me in the household, and then my dad in his own household. But I, I grew up with my mom. And then my dad was kind of just, when I ever had sports and stuff, I was always with my dad. And then when I wasn't playing sports, I was more so with my mom and stuff like that. Okay. Any siblings or anything? Yeah, I do. I have two older sisters. Gotcha. So what So uh, what position then did you play in, in football growing up? Was it always receiver? Was it was it quarterback, running back? What, what did you play in youth football? No, actually, I never played receiver until I got to my junior year of high school. Um, growing up, I would say I was a little more, I was a little, uh, I was more chubby and uh, and a little stocky when growing up. So I played like a lot of like fullback, a lot of tight end, played defense. I played a linebacker in DN. I think DN was probably my, my most favorite position growing up. Then uh, once I got to high school, I kind of stretched. Like my eighth grade year going into high school, I had like a weird growth spurt where I gained like four or five inches in height. And then I kind of stretched. So I really wasn't chubby anymore, like short and chubby. So I ended up moving around, played a little running back my freshman year in high school. And then my sophomore year, my uh, head coach, he asked me to play quarterback, which I had never played before. So I played a little bit of quarterback my – second year of high school and a little safety. And I uh, kind of was like on that, you know, I don't know if you guys have that out here, but it's like varsity JV. So I was kind of like mm-hmm. a JV varsity guy where I would play a little varsity receiver and safety. But then on my JV team, I was quarterback. So then my junior year, I was going to play quarterback, but um, I had a one of my closest friends to this day. He played quarterback at a different high school than me. And we played like off season seven on seven football. And um, we convinced him to come to my high school. So in order for him to come to my high school, I didn't have to play quarterback anymore, which I really didn't want to play. It was just cool, but I was like, no, I'm not naturally a quarterback. So he came and ended up going to receiver full time. And then that's just kind of when it took off and me playing receiver and I actually kind of um, honed into it, started becoming an actual wide receiver. Okay. So you played, uh, I know you played basketball in high school too. Any other sports? Yeah. Was it just football and basketball? Yeah, it was just football and basketball for me my whole life. I did a little bit of tennis. I, I know people, I don't really tell a lot of people that, but like <laughs> I played a lot of tennis when I was little, little kid. And I did track for like a year when I was like six or seven. But it was really just basketball, football all the time my whole life and in high school. Okay. Do you have any favorite favorite games, favorite plays, or anything like that when you look back to your high school days? Um, definitely. So um, my high school had a rival high school. It was our cross-time rival. I went to Heritage High School, and our cross-time rival was uh, Paloma Valley. We were both in Menifee, just across the town. And uh, we had a game my junior year. Senior year was good, too, but junior year, we had made the Fox Sports game of the week. So we were on television that week and uh, we had played them. And I have never seen my high school. Like my high school would be pretty packed for games, but I would, I had never seen my high school that packed because our, uh, 
our defensive coordinator had went over there and he became their head coach. So it was like super big. They were supposed to beat us that year. And um, we ended up playing them and beating them pretty bad on television, which is, I guess, kind of fun. Had a really good game. But uh, that was probably my most favorite game because we were just on television. It was so pumped up. The whole town basically was, whole city was there to watch both of us play each other. Nice. Nice. Well, um, what point was it, I guess, where you really started considering playing football after high school? Was it always kind of your dream to play college football? Actually, no. So I originally, I was a basketball kid. Like I really wanted to play basketball. That was like my dream. And um, once I got to high school, like my sophomore year, after I played football and basketball freshman year, I kind of realized that I'm much better at football and uh, I would be considered a short basketball player because I'm only 6'1", 6'2". I would be a short basketball player, but I would be a decently tall, decently sized football player. So it got to a point where when I came to my high school, that's where I made, you know, football season's first. So that's where uh, I met all my friends because I ultimately moved from L.A. going into high school. I moved uh, like about an hour south which is called the Inland Empire. So it's like right in between uh, San Diego and L.A. So I met all my friends playing football because that's the first sport of the year. So it's like I kind of just created those relationships with a lot of guys, a lot of guys that are like my best friends today besides the ones that are on my team now. Um, those guys that are playing at different colleges and stuff. So I've made a lot of close relationships with them. And my high school is also better at football than basketball. We were a pretty good football team. Our basketball team wasn't that good. So I guess like my sophomore year of high school, um, I had a really good freshman year. And sophomore year, knowing that I was kind of on varsity and JV, I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm on both sides of this. So it's, I guess I'm pretty good, you know. And then um, started taking it more serious after my sophomore year, going into my junior year, I started to gain a little more weight and stuff like that. And that's kind of when I was like, okay, I could, I could probably play this at a higher level than just high school. And that's my goal is like, okay, I want to play college football somewhere. I want to go somewhere to play college football. And that's when I kind of realized that's what I wanted to do. So, like, sophomore, junior year, that's when I realized football was it, not basketball. Well, tell me about going to going to um, Mount San Jacinto. Is that is that uh-huh. right? Am I saying that right? Yes. So, uh, um, you know, obviously junior college is its own thing out in California. Kind of t- yeah. tell me about going there and what that experience was like for you. Yeah, so originally, I I had a weird journey when it comes to college. Like, I, at high school, I was kind of recruited heavily, but back then, before COVID and stuff, you know, you had to take SATs and ACTs, and I was, I was an immature, dumb high school kid. I didn't take my SAT in time, so after signing day and stuff, so um, I, I took, like, a year off, not a year, but, like, a semester off of football, and I kind of just went to a junior college called RCC. You might be familiar. Riverside Community College. They're like probably the best Southern California junior college. I went there. played. I was going to play football. I wasn't going to play. It was kind of in between. But I was really recruited a lot in high school. So I had a, a walk-on opportunity at San Diego State. And I just decided to take it because I took my SAT really late. So they were like, you know, you have your score now. We're really going to take you on a walk-on. So you can kind of come up here and uh, earn your scholarship and stuff like that. So I, I took it. So I went to San Diego State. Actually, that was my first year of, like, college football was there, the semester there. Um, 
But when I got there, I found out uh, I turned tore my labrum in my shoulder. So that was kind of a bummer. Couldn't get in, like, really get into playing there and trying to earn my scholarship. And a lot of my best friends uh, went to Mount San Jacinto, and that was like the school, uh, the junior college kind of close to my area where I was living and where a lot of my high school teammates went. And uh, they were like, hey, like, you should come here while you're rehabbing, and you'll be able to get in and play this year. And then they just kind of convinced me. I really do thank them for convincing me to do that because if that's the case, I wouldn't have – I don't even know if I would still be playing football. I was kind of in a down point. I was really small, skinny, and I was like, oh, no. Like, you know, so they convinced me to come and play, and I came and played. I had a decent first year there. I was okay. I think I probably only had, like, four touchdowns, a couple of passes, and then um, I was going through a lot at that time. It was, like, rough, and then I ended up um, taking that off season, and I just kind of was, like, a angry, like, I've never played this bad before football player. And I gained like 25 pounds from the end of that season, which was like maybe like October, November to like January. I gained like 25, 30 pounds, got bigger. And I had probably like the best uh, year of my life, my second year of Juco, because that was after COVID. So uh, I was prepared to play in 2020 where I had gained my weight and like got I really uh, just got better as a player in the off season, and then um, after that, um, COVID came and kind of had to wait. And I was just so like motivated to get back on the field, and so I was working hard a lot during the off season with all my friends and stuff. And then my second year during college at my San Jacinto kind of just took off for me. Everything kind of clicked. Well, and so you know that what were your options looking like? You know what was what was coming out of JUCO that recruiting process like and what about Northwest made it so attractive and, and made you come to Maryville? Um, so my recruiting process out of Juco was actually really weird. Um, I didn't know what my clock situation was looking like having had went to San Diego and then um, going to Juco. And uh, so I was getting recruited a lot by a lot of the big sky conference, the D1 SES conference. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually, like, I basically had a – I was kind of verbally committed to uh, Montana State, actually. And um, before I had gotten Northwest and I was going to go on a visit and stuff like that, and literally the day before my visit there, um, they had told me that basically I'm not close enough to my uh, degree to be able to go there. And I was kind of like – kind of made sense why a lot of schools would, like, recruit me heavily and then, like, you know, it kind of just stopped for me. So I was really frustrated. So I started um, getting a lot of Division II interest in a couple of the schools in the Lone Star Conference. And I had remembered, uh, I knew about a couple of schools in Division II. And I had never been like a Division I or bus type of guy, but I was like, you know what, if I do go Division II, I want to go somewhere really good. And I um, I knew about Northwest, actually. Like, I, uh, my dad has a couple of friends that went here and like a couple of friends that uh, children have went here for sports, basketball, and football. And I was like, oh, like, I kind of knew about them. So I had a message Coach Martin, uh, Zach Martin, on uh, Twitter, and just, you know, just to see if he would uh, message me back. And he so happened to do so, and I was just kind of excited about that. And then I went on a visit here, and I had a couple of other uh, pretty decent uh, D2 schools. Like, I had – I was going to go to 
Colorado State Pueblo because they had offered my JUCO and high school quarterback as well. But it was kind of between them and here. I visited here, and I was just like, nah, man, I want to play for a winner. Like, that's, like, my thing. Like, I'm a big winner type of guy. Like, I want to play for a winner. I want to play with the best. So I ultimately chose playing, not playing with my high school quarterback, made, like, a decision for myself and going somewhere really big. And uh, when I came here on a visit, I guess the visit isn't really what sold me, but it was Coach Sturdy. He told me one thing that no other coach told me when I was getting recruited. Every other, you know, coaches say a lot of the same stuff. Like, um, you you can come here, you can play this, this, and that. And Coach Sturdy told me that uh, you're not the best football player that you're ultimately going to be when you leave here. So you come here, you're going to be, you're miles away from how good you can be. And that just kind of stuck with me. And I, I, I like that. He challenged me. So that was kind of like my big thing. When he told me that, I knew that's when I was going to come here on my visit. Awesome. Well, you talked about you know going to going to JUCO with with some of your high school teammates. Javier yeah. Luna, who was a receiver here last year, was yes. was he he was one of your high school teammates and JUCO yeah. teammates, right? And yeah, guys came we, to yeah, that's like my best friend. That's my best friend. He is in my. I have a best friend group from high school. He is one of my closest friends. I've known him since I, we were thirteen. So yeah, we went to high school together. He was our high school running back along with my other best friend, Sherrod Wright, was our high school running back. He plays at a university in New Mexico right now and a couple of other of my really, really close friends. But, yeah, he, I had got him to uh, come here. His parents moved to uh, Missouri, actually, which was kind of just weird that it just kind of happened at that same time. So he was out here. His parents were out here, and I was like, just come on, man. And he ended up coming, and they offered him. Awesome. Awesome. Well, well, uh, so what, before we kind of move on, I got the pick six here, kind of six fun questions for you. What, what's your major? And then what, uh, once football is over for you, whenever that is, what are your kind of career plans after that? Um, my major is, uh, psychology and human services. And, uh, that's the same field my mom is in. She is, a uh, she works for CPS, Child Protective Services. So ultimately, I think I want to do that, start out, because she can kind of get me in there. I can start working pretty early. And then after that, ultimately, I want to be a counselor, like at a, a big football or basketball. Some school with really good sports programs, I want to be a counselor and like be like there for like the athletes, help them pick their classes and compliance and stuff like that. I want to still work with athletes ultimately. I feel like that's what like my love is, but I want to work with young Young adults, somewhere around my age or somewhere like freshman year of college, where I can kind of be an influence to younger generation, tell them like my story, you know, and help out that way. That's good stuff. Good stuff. All right, Rashad, are you ready? I got the pick six for you. Yes. Okay. First question. It's always the same. You a superstitious guy? Do you have any like pregame rituals? Have to do the same thing, wear the same socks, anything like that? Uh, I used to be, I used to always have to eat a fruit roll-up before a game. Um, in high school, in like my first couple of years of college, uh, I had a fruit roll-up in high school that I scored my first varsity touchdown. Ever since then, I would do it. And there was one game I didn't have one, and I could not get my hands on one. I still scored a touchdown that game. So that was kind of like the end of it. And I remember my grandpa, he had told me that, there's no point in being superstitious because if that was the case, you would never have to practice or work hard. You would just do your superstition and then you would, you know, you ultimately have a good uh, game or win or something like that. So I used to be, but not anymore. 
I go by what my grandpa told me. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Second question of the pick six. Uh, what movie do you quote most on a day-to-day basis? Um, I don't know. Movie? Or TV would... show or any, if, if there is one. If there isn't, that's okay. I don't know. It might be like SpongeBob or something like that. <laughs> so I would just say a joke. Me and, me and Trayvon Alexander, another receiver, joke a lot about little stuff. So it would probably be something from like a cartoon, like SpongeBob or something like that. Okay. All right. Third question of the pick six. Do you have a secret talent? Uh, I play three instruments. I don't think a lot of people know that about me. So I'm very musically inclined since I was a little kid. What instruments? I've got to, I've got to ask. I play the drums, the piano, and I kind of know a little bass guitar. I want to ultimately learn like how to actually play the bass guitar a little bit, but just based off of being I'm musically inclined, I can kind of play it a little bit. But drums and piano, I play really, really well. Okay, nice, nice. All right. Fourth question of the pick six. What's the first thing you notice about someone when you meet them? Uh, teeth. I am big. I have braces myself. Um, and I've been, like, really, uh, like, attracted to nice teeth. So when I see teeth, that's, like, the first Teeth or outfit is like the first two things I look at when I meet someone. Teeth is funny because that's the first thing my wife notices about anyone when she meets. Yeah, teeth, it's like so. super big. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Fifth question. What app do you spend the most time on on your phone? Uh, for sure, YouTube. YouTube, whether it's watching football, whether it's watching like video game uh, people or something like that that I like to watch. It would definitely be YouTube. I spend a lot of time on YouTube. You are you a YouTube premium guy? Uh, no, but I should be. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those things that I pay for that everybody makes fun of me for, but I watch a lot of YouTube myself. And yeah, so, <laughs> <that's understandable. laughs> all right, last question. And this it's going to get silly here. I'm just going to warn you. Would okay. you rather fight one horse sized duck or would you rather fight a hundred duck sized horses? Uh, that's tough. I would probably say a horse-sized duck because I don't necessarily know if I end up losing, start losing the fight. I don't necessarily know how fast that duck will be because they kind of waddle. But at the same time, a lot of horses, horses are strong. My grandpa has horses. So, like, even though they would be duck-sized, they would be pretty strong, and it's a lot of them. So... I would think probably a horse-sized duck would probably be better. And it hurts when horses bite, regardless of what size they are. Right, right. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. Well, the silliness is over. Rashad, man, I I appreciate you coming on, taking a little time here, and uh, wish you and the guys the best of luck uh, the rest of the season. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. It was fun. This is geriatric football coach Bob Green, and you're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt. And welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Time to get the view from the other other press box. Joined by voice of the Washburn Ichabods and former Ichabod football player himself, Jake LeBon. And uh, Jake, man, thanks so much for taking a little time and, and coming on here chatting with me. You bet. Anytime. 
hey, it's it's been a tough season for both of us, especially you guys. I don't think anybody saw one and seven start uh, for Washburn. I mean, Hecht picked fourth in the preseason poll, seven and four last year with with the only game that wasn't a one score loss was the was a two score loss to Pitt State. And um, kind of, you know, I know the the Kellen Simonsic injury earlier in the season, but kind of where has it all gone uh, gone south for for the Ichabods this season? Well, you you mentioned uh, Kellen Simonsic getting injured. It's uh, not just Kellen Simonsic. Um, if I told you that Northwest's 12 best players, okay, so picture Northwest and their 12 best players, mm-hmm. 10 of those are done for the year. That is what has happened for Washburn. Wow. Uh, their best, uh, their quarterback, done for the year. Best wide receiver, done for the year. Um, the uh, second best tailback, uh, done for the year. Then midway through the season, lost their best tailback, done for the year. Best offensive lineman, missed four games. On the defensive side, they missed, uh, they've uh, lost their best defensive end, best defensive tackle, best free safety, and their, uh, one of their, uh, other corners, uh, missed time. So it's just, a uh, you know, the, the, the way I look at it, as everyone says, you know, there's excuses and then there's reasons. Well, there's a reason why Washburn is is one and seven. It's because if you lose all those good players, how good is your team going to be? They're starters for a reason. Uh, now, they have not played well enough, obviously, but when you're playing 22 redshirt freshmen and 17 true freshmen, in this league, you're gonna get, uh, you're gonna have some growing pains. There's no arguments about that. And when your quarterback is a true freshman, uh, even though he's gonna be a really, really good true freshman, uh, you're gonna go through some growing pains. And that's kind of what has happened to, to Washburn this year. They just haven't been able to overcome uh, the injury bug this year when it comes to uh, this season. And they're Two tight ends, I forgot to mention that because they haven't played all year because they were injured in the preseason and during uh, fall camp. There are uh, two tight ends who combined for five touchdowns last year uh, have not played. So it's just been a, a, a just a brutal, brutal stretch of injuries for the Sikabod team this year. Well, and you know, you mentioned those those true freshmen, which that's crazy um, that, that that number is so high. Not only that, as you know, true freshman quarterback in the MIAA, you don't see that very often. What have you seen from Sam Van Dyne? Obviously, he's you know he's he's definitely got some flash. That's just from an outside looking in. I haven't you know got to watch all of his games. He's he seems like a guy w- with a lot of talent that might be really good here in a few years. Oh, he's so accurate. One of the accurate. He, he can throw the football very accurately for anybody, but for a true freshman, the way he's able to throw a slant route and the fade route, uh, he puts the ball on the money. That is no question. The last two games, you've really seen Sam play uh, at a high level. I know it doesn't look like it on the, uh, the the scoreboard, but against Fort Hayes State, he made some big-time throws to keep Washburn in the game, does a nice job in the pocket. He's not the fastest guy, but he's able to get out of some uh, some tough situations in the pocket. Uh, that's one thing that he uh, does a better job of than most, uh, than, than what you'd realize. But uh, he, he knows the offense extremely well for a freshman. Uh, that is the one thing I'll say. And if there's one thing that I want for a quarterback, if I could put together the perfect quarterback, one, it would be smart, and he is a 
terrific, terrific football mind. And number two, he's accurate. He throws a terrific ball. He really, really does. That's the one thing. Uh, when when you look at the game coming up on Saturday, you'll see how accurate of a ball he throws. Well, and uh, you know, t- speaking of true freshmen, a couple of couple of guys. DJ Bell has been a guy that I think is up there. You know, top I don't know five, three, something like that, in all purpose yards uh, in the MIAA and kick returns. And then at receiver, had a career high receiving last week against Hayes. What have you What have you seen from him uh, this season? He seems like a pretty good playmaker. Just explosive, um, very, very explosive. When he gets the ball in his hands, uh, he can do a lot of different things. He's developing as a wide receiver because he was a Wildcat quarterback in, in high school. That's what he did, uh, and, and he basically was a running back playing quarterback. They moved him out to wide receiver uh, because they're trying to use him as best skill set. He's improved as a wide receiver, got a big touchdown against Emporia State. You saw what he did against Fort Hayes State, dynamic in the kick return game and the punt return game. Uh, elusive, can stop and start, uh, really an explosive player who, if you look at him week one to week now, uh, a, a so much better football player, much improved. And he'll be a guy that Washburn will lean on to try to make some explosive plays in the pass game on Saturday. Well, then he, this, this is more of a roster question for you, Jake, but as I was looking at him and kind of looking over the roster, he's a kid from Georgia. There seems to be a lot of youngsters from the state of Georgia on this team. Has that been a, a stress for the, the coaching staff to recruit in, in Georgia? Something opened up maybe down there uh, down there for him? Yeah, so uh, Brock Luke, who's the defensive co-defensive coordinator for the Ichabods, his dad, um, Maven Luke, was a head coach in that area for a long time in Division II. And if you're a head coach uh, in an area for a long time, you develop a lot of connections, you develop a lot of relationships, you uh, you know what that person is about. And uh, he is a, a, an assistant coach for Washburn, now helps out on the, the, the defensive side. And he knows all those high schools in, in Georgia. And the one thing about Georgia is you're going to find a lot of talent in Georgia because some of these guys that don't get recruited well because either they're a backup or they only played for one year, like their senior year, and they're not really on the radar, but they are super talented, and the schools down there just don't recognize them. They kind of fall through the cracks because there's so much talent on their team, but also they might not have been noticed, maybe been a late bloomer, and you're seeing some of the guys on this team who are just like that, the DJ Bells, the Mari Sullivans, the Josh Grants, a uh, lot of Georgia kids who are true freshmen or redshirt freshmen uh, seeing time. So it's that uh, connection through uh, one of the Washburn assistant coaches who knows everybody down there uh, in the Georgia area. And sure enough, a lot of those Georgia kids can certainly play. Yeah, I, I just noticed, you know, sometimes I'm looking at things and things stick out to me. That was definitely uh, that was definitely one of them. Uh, well, let's talk about defensively. I mean, the the defense has kind of been much maligned. They've you know struggled at times, certainly in games. Of course, when you have explosive offenses like we've seen this year from you know from a Central, from a Missouri Western, um, who are the guys kind of the, that Washburn's been looking to, especially in this recent resurgence of of uh, these last few games? Kind of who who are they looking toward uh, to kind of be the leaders and and really step up on the defensive side of the ball? Well, if you told me at the beginning of the year, I would have said Phoenix Smith, Justice Akinmulladen, and Jordan Finnessy. All three of those guys are done since week two. Um, but right now, uh, Josh Grant, uh, one of the safeties, is playing well. 
Jaden Spencer had a really good game. He had the pick six against uh, Fort Hayes uh, that kept Washburn kind of in it in the second quarter. Uh, Caden Spencer has played really, really well. Um, on the defensive line, it's been more so by committee, but Patrick Altenor, he would be probably one of the players on this defense that was a top, you know, top player that didn't get hurt. He's number 90. Uh, Josh Grant, 28, Caden Spencer, number two. Those are the three guys that I would say um, that Washburn has to have play well in order to slow down Hoensi, order to slow down Harris um, when it comes to up front and uh, in the secondary. So those would be the three guys that I would say are the biggest factors. Well, what what has kind of changed? What have you seen these last couple of weeks that that um, you know the Ichabods? You know they had the great comeback against Hayes that unfortunately fell just short and and was able to hang with Emporia. Um, you know what have you seen? What what has has there been something that's kind of changed these last few weeks? You're not going to like the answer, but it's just playing Division Two football because they're so young. Uh, when you look at it, here's their starting secondary. Ready? You got true freshmen. Redshirt freshman, redshirt freshman, and then Caden Spencer uh, is the junior. So you just got to play football, you know. Um, you can, and, you, and the 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 more you do it, the better you are. I always tell people, if you are a true freshman and you're playing in the MIAA, you're elite because you you probably someone ahead of you in your position on your team is probably better than you. Well, in this situation, Washburn has had guys better; they're just hurt. And so you got guys like Jacquez White who are playing, Julius Jackson who are playing, and it's just getting reps. It, that, that's as simple as it gets. The you know the the more you do a podcast, the more you do a radio show, the better you get with the reps you get, and you're seeing that. You know uh, the game against uh, Missouri Western, Washington didn't play well, and they ran into a buzzsaw there. But Emporia, they were down by eight with two minutes to go in the third quarter. Uh, against Hayes, you know, uh, Washburn, it's four, uh, third and five with a minute 30 to go. If they get a stop, they got a chance to win the game. So it's just playing more, getting reps, getting understanding, knowing what the MIAA is like. It's, it's really not a, a great analysis, but that's kind of what I, I think is the reason why they've, they've improved. No, I mean, that, that it absolutely makes sense. Well, you know, so what what's, um, you know, at this point in the season, I mean, what would a win over even though, you know, the Bearcats are sitting here four and four, neither of us thought, you know, our teams were going to be at, at this uh, at this point uh, or, you know, the records would be what they are at this point in the season. What, what would a win for Washburn on, on Saturday mean for the Ichabods? I would just give them a confidence boost of, hey, everything that you're doing is is working and it is going in the right direction because Washburn has gotten better offensively and defensively. The issue is you just you can't do that in a league like the MIAA, but it would give them a, a, a bit of a, you know, uh, a dessert or, you know, a a cherry at the top that, hey, all the work you're doing is benefiting. It is showing progress. You are getting better, even though you know, and Craig Sherg will tell you there is no moral victories in football. And if you're playing for moral victories, then you need to get out. But this would be a big, big reason and a big plus for the Sycamon team then going on the final two games against Central Oklahoma and Northeastern to try to end the season on a high note. And as you look at this game, I mean, what are if, if Washburn wants to do that, wants to wants to win this game, what, what are the keys to the game for them? 
offensive line has to play well. Um, Van Dyne is good enough. Their skill guys are good enough. Uh, the offensive line has to play well. That's been the biggest uh, concern this year is they haven't gotten a good enough push up front. Uh, and Northwest, like they always do, has a terrific uh, defensive front, and you got to give your quarterback time. So it's all about the offensive line. And then and then on the defensive side, you, you got to stop Harris. I mean, there's a reason why he's averaging 130 yards a game. He's excellent. The O-line is good. Um, whenever you play Northwest, it's all about your O-line and D-line. If your O-line and D-line play well, you got a chance against the Bearcats. Well, uh, one last thing, Jake, that I want to ask you, and it's it's not a pleasant thing to talk about, but I, it's something I'm kind of curious. You know, Coach Shurig, the longest tenured coach in the MIAAs, had a lot of success. You you would think a coach like him has built up a lot of goodwill at, uh, at Washburn. Um, is his seat hot at all? I mean, obviously the injuries, I think the injuries don't happen. This team has a way different record than they do. Um, it, it just not necessarily from you know, fans are going to be fans and have opinions, but, um, is, is he on the hot seat in your opinion? No, not at all. They went nine and two, went to the playoffs two years ago, went seven and four last year. And if they get one stop against Northwest last year, they go eight and three. Um, you go nine and two, eight and three in this league. No, you're, you're I, I, I don't think so at all. Well, and part of the reason I ask that is to give Bearcat fans some perspective also, <laughs> you know, cause yeah. eh, fans, whatever, you know, they're, you're, you're four and four, they're going to be upset and things. So anyway, that's specifically, that's, that's kind of what I, where, what I thought, how things were. Well, Jake, man, I certainly appreciate you and, um, you know, hope you have a great call and, and it should be a great game on, on Saturday. Thanks so much. Hey, this is Mike Peterson, former Northwest Missouri State University Bearcat, tight end number 89, and you're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. And welcome back in here on Bleeding Green, joined by the voice of the Bearcats and regular here on the podcast, John Coffey. John, man, thanks so much for coming on. We got we to gotta quit talking after... Uh, after tough losses that seems to be kind of a <laughs> kind of a theme we've got going on here well i know it we've got to change the rotation around or something <laughs> but uh, obviously a tough tough loss against against pit it was it was kind of you know there were some neat things that happened you know with the with the halftime and pregame we got to see a, a lot of former players that's homecoming's always fun and and you know got to see guys like Dave Tollefson, Matt Longacre and uh, so many former players there's a handful of guys from last year's team seniors from last year that that I saw and and obviously the 2013 team and and uh uh, th that was always nice to see and a nice crowd too i mean hey when you're sitting there at 4 and 3 you think you know we we've gotten to the point, even if we were maybe seven and zero, we don't always pack the stadium. Fans kind of take things for granted, but really a pretty decent crowd. And it was a beautiful day. Oh, you couldn't ask for a better homecoming weekend overall. It just was uh, perfect. Uh, and, uh, homecoming always is a, a good crowd regardless. And, uh, they came out and I, we were treated to a, a good game. Unfortunately, Northwest just on the offensive side can get as much going as he would like, but defensively, I think, uh, they did all you could really ask them to do against a very good Pittsburgh State offense and uh, uh, held them to their lowest point total of the season. And uh, again, just unfortunately, they couldn't get anything going offensively really until late in the game. 
Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, I was trying to stay positive, but I guess we do <laughs> We do have to talk about the game. But um, let's talk about the defense. You hold Pitt to four of six in the red zone. You stop them on a couple of fourth downs. Heck, they only, you know, Pitt is a much more balanced team this year that runs the ball a lot more with more success, held them to 58 yards on 30 carries. And, uh, you know, I mean, there, there were a lot of things defensively. Maybe didn't get as much pressure as you would have liked. There was probably some flags and pockets that maybe could have been pulled out. And that's probably about every game. I think when we take a talk about holding in the MIAA, but, um, but overall, yeah, I mean, the defense really did, you know, they, they kind of stood tall, especially on that opening drive where, you know, Pitt went down and, and, you know, you stop them inside the five. There was some, uh, you know, the, there were different moments where, you know, you thought maybe it was kind of ripe for some momentum swinging the Bearcats way. And it just kind of never did. No, it just uh, kind of uh, just waiting for that one big play to turn things around. They just couldn't quite uh, get it there, and that's just kind of an unfortunate situation. But uh, that's the way the game of football goes sometimes. Sometimes the ball just doesn't bounce the way you want it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, you lose the turnover margin three to one. You have, you know, 0 for 2 in the red zone. I mean, again, you, you did have Jay Harris doing what Jay Harris has done all late games this season of running for 100 yards, but even he had an untimely fumble. Um you know, down, down inside of like the two yard line. And so, uh, um, you know, I guess that's the thing. Luckily, as, as we kind of focus on these next three games, you're taking on boy, certainly didn't see Washburn picked fourth. I think in, in both preseason polls coming in at one and seven, um, they've had, if we think we've had injury problems in Maryville this year, Washburn just about had their whole team injured where they're playing, you know, a dozen and a half fresh true freshmen and, and a couple of dozen redshirt freshmen during the season. And, you know, they, they've maybe been a little bit more competitive these last couple of games, but still they're a, they're a bottom three scoring offense in the MIAA and, and yardage. Uh, one of the uh, bottom two scoring defenses. This seems like this game is maybe, even though you got to go to Topeka, it maybe it's coming for a good time, coming at a good time for this team. Well, I think so. Washburn and Northwest through the years have had some uh, really fun matchups, even going back to last year with that uh, exciting ending uh, a year ago at Bearcat Stadium. So the teams, even though Northwest has really, for the most part, dominated the series the last uh, couple of decades, uh, they've played some games that have just gone right to the uh, final uh, gun. So uh, I would think that Northwest would come in as uh, the uh, – the favorite uh, in this one as uh, they should. But uh, again, Washburn seems to get up for Northwest regardless of how their team is doing. So I anticipate they're going to be ready. But as you mentioned, the injuries have really hurt them this year. And uh, at uh, this level, it's just so hard when you have that many injuries to uh, bring in some of the younger guys that just haven't had the experience that uh, they normally would get before they get onto the field. And so uh, you just have to feel for what Coach Sherry and his staff and the team has gone through in Topeka because it's just not been the type of year they had envisioned. And, uh, of course, uh, I guess right now they're just getting some valuable experience for some young guys that in the next uh, couple of years will definitely pay off for. Yeah, and and I know, you know, that's something that, that got brought up at – at uh, media day this week and coach Wright said, no, we're, you know, sticking by the seniors, which I think is probably the right move. I think that's probably what you have to do at this point. Maybe if you can work in, work in some younger guys, but you know, as you look at the last part of the season, it's been a rough one, right? Four and four. I don't think anybody really saw that, but as it look at these last three games it does give me some hope because it's three good matchups 
um, unfortunately, two are, or two are road trips for, for Bearcat fans. So they'll, uh, uh, not unfortunately, but fortunately, maybe they'll get to listen to you and, and, uh, Matt on the Bearcat radio network or, or catch the game on the, uh, MIAA, uh, um, MIAA network, but it does, you know, th- there's, there's some hope there's, hopefully we can, you know, kind of flip the script here a little bit and, and, uh, have a, have a nice go in the into the off season with a nice three game winning streak. Yeah, if you could run the table with these three games, you finish the year at seven and four, and a lot of programs would be uh, dancing in the streets uh, happy about that. So, uh, in the Northwest is a, uh, a different uh, animal where the success they've had through the years, uh, you don't want to finish at seven and four, but that's uh, what uh, is ahead of them if they can go run the table here and uh, just build off of uh, a winning record this year. And uh, again, Northwest on the on the other hand too, you look at they've got a long number of young guys have got a lot of snaps this season, uh, some due to injuries and some just uh, some youth coming into the program that this year has to pay off for them and the future is bright for Northwest when you look at some of these young guys that have performed pretty well this year and they're just going to continue to get better. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, look at the number of seniors on this team. It's relatively small. It's it's very receiver heavy. You know, at the receiver position, it seems like all those guys are seniors. But but beyond that, and, and obviously Mikey at quarterback, you know, you've, you've – uh, you know, had unfortunately Isaac with his injury, but but just a couple of guys. You know, defensively, Gianni at at uh, corner and, and and Drake at D tackle. Other than that, you know, there's not a whole lot of. Uh, uh, I don't, I'm not trying to leave out Theo at, at left tackle, but you know, there's a lot of like the whole team pretty much is coming back next year. So you get a little bit of momentum. You know, get the guys maybe get their spirits up a little bit going into the off season and, and come back and, you know, try to run it back next year is uh, um, I think that's important. I think that's probably where these three games are, are most important ending the year. Yeah, no, no doubt. And again, with the experience that uh, some of these guys have, it's just going to pay off for next year. You hate to start looking next year already, but uh, you, you got guys, a lot of guys that uh, know what it's like to go through uh, the battles of an MIAA season now. And I think uh, you're looking at a very bright future for this team. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as you look at this game, as I kind of skipping around here, John, that's what I do is go all over the place. <laughs> what as you look at this Washburn game? I mean, what do you, you know, I always, always look at, like to look at kind of the keys to victory. What are, what are you looking out of this, out of this Bearcat team? What are you looking from out of them on Saturday? Well, I think they just go out and do what they do well. And uh, obviously you might have taken into consideration what Washburn does is too, but main thing for Northwest defensively, just go out, shut down the run, make this Washburn team very one-dimensional on that aspect of things. They've got a true freshman at quarterback who has had a decent season, but has struggled at times, uh, just trying to get acclimated to the college level. So uh, you have to apply pressure on him and especially when you make them one-dimensional uh then uh, he, it's going to make it very tough on the offensive side for uh, Washburn then of course for Northwest just go out and continue to have a balanced attack and uh, attack this uh, Washburn defense and uh, try to get some points on the board absolutely well we'll see what happens wish you and, and Matt a great call and and uh, hoping for a great game on Saturday John as always I appreciate you uh, no problem. Appreciate that. Just one other note. You talked about uh, the MIAA network. One thing that, of course, we always advise is to download the Bearcat Public Media app and uh, sync up our audio with uh, the uh, video there. You can just follow us along, whether you're watching the MIAA network or just listening on the app or on uh, the air. So uh, we certainly love to see more people download that public media.
Hello, this is former Northwest quarterback Chris Rice, and you are listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. And welcome back in here on Bleeding Green. Time for the Bearcats, according to Eli. Eli, I pulled a curveball on you last week. I kept rolling at the very end, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> you were you were not so sure about that. You didn't seem real thrilled with your old man. No, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> Join the club, buddy. Join <laughs> the club. Who is a part of this club? I just start naming people out of the phone book, I guess. I don't know. Your parents? <laughs> oh, they're disappointed. Wah, wah. Oh, buddy. Well, that was a rough one last week, huh? Yep, very. I'm having a tough time bouncing back from this one. I'm a little, I'm a little down still. You doing okay? I'm okay. All right. We're not able to go to the Washburn game. I have a wedding that I have to be in and uh you uh yeah, so we're going to we're going to watch are we watching this thing Sunday? Is that what we're going to do? Yep. Going to sit down together and, and you're not going to look at the score. You're not going to listen to any text that anybody tells uh, you. Th- that is impossible. That 24-hour silence I cannot do. I will know. If you don't want me to tell you, I won't. But I'll uh, I'll have people messaging me and everything else. So and you'll actually check. Yeah, I have to. I you have to have know. To? I have to know. That's a lie. But okay. Gonna see how much we win by. I hope so. Yep. Hope. Okay. Okay. Do you really not have faith? The only game Washburn has won is Lincoln. That's true. They played better the last couple of weeks. They have. They played pretty good. But we'll still beat them if. But it's not a show up and win sort of thing. So I hope the, uh, um, I hope we're, hope the players and coaches aren't as cavalier as you are about this. What do you mean? As hyped and <laughs> know that we're going to win? No, they just don't take Washburn for granted. As long as we take them seriously, we play well, which we should. I'm just giving you a hard time, man. I know. You're screwing with me. I'm just getting your. Uh, I'm just getting the thesaurus out over here and using big words on you. I'm disappointed. <laughs> All right, are you ready for this? Yeah. Ready to talk about our predictions from last week? Well, the short one was we were five and one. We all know the one because we picked the Bearcats last week. But let's talk about the rest of these games. Missouri Western eked one out over Nebraska Kearney with a last-second field goal. Their kicker's second uh, game-winning field goal of the season. 20 to 17 surprising both of us thought it would be a pretty comfortable Missouri Western win maybe Western has some hangover for that disappointing win uh, or disappointing loss I should say against the Bearcats or maybe Carney's they seem to be trending uh, as a more competitive team than they have been but there we go we got that one right Hayes beating Washburn ends up being a close game you had a 21 to nothing Hayes uh, Washburn kind of has a furious comeback, and Hayes only wins by a field goal, 31-28. Um, that one surprised me a little bit. I thought Washburn would put up a fight, but I didn't think it would be that close of a game. The shocker of the week was Central Missouri over Emporia, 77-27. They, they had 49 points with two and a half minutes left in the second quarter driving. They... Uh, Sabrowski so threw for an MIAA record of yardage. 
MIAA record of total yardage, and he threw for eight touchdowns. Just since I don't even know that I could do that on a video game. That's I can mighty impressive. But that thought maybe Central, you know, could win by two three scores. But I I honestly didn't see that one happening like that. Um, I know how we passed for that many yards. How's that? Um, I actually just secretly went to the game and brought my controller, and mm-hmm. I was actually controlling him. I've seen uh, the scores on Madden for shut you. Shut up, shut up. Let's not talk and about this. And you must this. have been controlling Emporia. That's all I'm saying. Hey, hey, be quiet. <laughs> Those are online players that have spent hours on this game. I only spend, like, four hours a day. It's not that bad. <laughs> Holy smokes. It's a part-time job at that point. Oh. Yeah, my full-time job is school, so why don't you <laughs> settle down? Settle down over there. All right, Missouri Southern scored more points than either of us predicted with a 63-5 to win over Lincoln. Five points. That's I don't think many people had Lincoln scoring five on their bingo card. UCO beating Northeastern State ended up being a little bit closer than I thought. Um, UCO definitely struggling, but... Uh, the fighting Adam Dorrells getting the uh, Governor's Cup, keeping it in Edmond with a 31, a 37-21 victory. Then, of course, the Bearcats. Both of us picked the Cats. Pitt State, of course, that 28-7 victory, but you already know that. If you've hung around for this long, you know what the... Uh, we've talked about that game plenty. No need to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Okay, we- Week nine of our predictions. So let's look, let's look at the season. You ready to look at the season standing? See where we're at. Yeah. So we, there were two games separating us going into the. But we both went five and one. I'm thirty eight and ten. You're thirty six and twelve. So still two games with three weeks of the season left. I'm still only ahead of you by two games. I'm okay. pick them. Are you ready to? Uh, is this? Is do you think we'll have some differences on this week? It's possible, um, or do you think but I'm not sure that a lot of the games seem fairly straightforward. Well, hopefully at least there's one that I can take a difference on. I'll take any lead I can get. Okay. First game, Central Oklahoma at Hayes. Central, obviously. Obviously. Okay, gonna go Central's against. Central's basically the number one team. I feel like if they played to their max, they probably would have. Central picks. Oklahoma. No, 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 Oh, that's Central Oklahoma. I mm, thought I... you, Central Missouri. My I bad. was like, I felt like, dude, I was in the twilight zone. <laughs> I'm like, have you paid any attention? You're gonna go against six Hayes. and two Hayes. Okay. Hayes, sorry. Or five and two. No, six and two. It's fine. I'm. They'll I'm probably. I'm crazy. It. They. They're not making it to the playoffs, but they could. Yeah, they're hanging in there. They still got to play Pitt. I think that's next week. All right, so you're going with Hayes? Yeah. What's your score? Okay. Um, 34-21. A few (laughs) score games. He didn't look at my sheet, by the way. Uh, My score, 34-24. I'm going Hayes also. I think UCO will put up a fight, but uh, Hayes has maybe dropped off a little bit from their good start, but they do have the best defense in MIAA. Wait, they do? Mm -hmm. Points-wise, not yardage. Yardage is the Uh, Bearcats. 
Yeah. Uh, definitely rushing. Maybe not. Yeah. I don't have it in front of me, and my computer's Passing. internet is. We have a silly, lot so. of picks. Do, are we leading in picks this season? No, it's not even close. What? Yeah. We have gotten a lot of picks. We have. Uh, okay. We've gotten like three or four. <laughs> if you're not getting a couple a game, you're not leading the league in in that eight games into the season. Wait, their team is getting a couple of interceptions per game. Yeah. Okay, let's get off this subject. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say. I don't have anything in front of me, so if you're going to ask me questions, we're going to have to like do this another time or something. All right, Northeastern State at Missouri Western. Seems pretty straightforward to me. What do you think, Eli? Of course, Northeastern. No, I'm joking. Mo West. Score? 14 is the losing score. Two. Forty-two. <laughs> this is insane. Either you've gotten a lot better or I've gotten a lot worse at these. Uh, our scores are getting closer. Forty-two <laughs> seventeen is what I think Western over Northeastern. Now, here's a curveball. I am getting better. If I'm almost matching yours without knowing yours, then I'm doing good. Uh, Sioux Falls is at Pitt State. Sioux Falls from the Northern Sun, who a couple of years ago was a playoff team. This year they are not good. So this is the, the Lincoln week for Pitt. They're not playing Lincoln. Lincoln, I think, is playing Eastern New Mexico, but we're not picking that game. So Sioux Falls at Pitt. I mean, you got, you're going Pitt, right? It's in the jungle. What is Sioux Falls? South Dakota. They're a team from the Northern Sun. This is the non-conference game. Member Pitt is the only team that doesn't play Lincoln in the MIAA this season. Oh, yeah. So, Pitt. Mm-hmm. Don't know how good they are. I, You obviously didn't listen to anything I said. I just kind of told you. said they sucked. Yeah, okay. they suck. Not worse than Lincoln. I mean, Sorry to Lincoln. Matt Witwicky and his friends in Sioux Falls, but they may not suck, but they're not very good. Lincoln, you're... The goat. Anyway, uh, I think Pitt will win fifty-six, like seven. I don't think they're like Lincoln. Okay, I'm gonna go thirty-eight twenty, but we'll see. Could definitely could be. Definitely could be. Pitt's got a good defense. Now, are you listening? Are you paying attention? Yes. Yes. Okay. Central Missouri also known as UCM, okay. is at Southern. This, this is your time to to talk about how good Central is because we've got the right Central sorry. this time. Okay, Central, here's your compliment. Now you can have it. You're good, uh, and if you would have played better, you would have beat Pitt, so you're going to beat... Uh, you're going to beat... Missouri Southern? Missouri Southern. Mm-hmm. I knew he was in Missouri. Okay. Anyway, so Central. Everybody's waiting for your score, they, buddy. If they can do 77 on Emporia and Southern's worse than Emporia. Mm, Southern's defense is better than Emporia's defense. Okay, you're right, you're right. Maybe 64 to, let me think about this. Oh, man. Oh, two. Uh. 21. 
Okay, 64-21. I don't, I'm not going to say that much. I'll go 45-26. I like to go with oddball scores. Obviously, I'm picking Central over Southern. All right, one more game to go before we get to the Bearcats. I got it. Nebraska Kearney at Emporia. Now, Emporia got their butts kicked last week, but I, I think they're better than Kearney. If you want to go for an upset, buddy, you can you can go right ahead. No differences this week. Next week is my time then. I'm going with Emporia. Okay. Score? 28 7. 28 7? Yes. Okay. Uh, Emporia's defense isn't that good. I think Carney's going to score here. I'll go 44 29, Emporia. Over Nebraska, Carney. Holy smokes, Dad! Emporia's. I mean, they still have a good offense. They just had a re- not a great game. They they oh. they've, they score against people. All right, and the reason we're here: the Bearcats and Ichabod's Northwest at Washburn. Unfortunately, neither of us will be at the game, nor will we Washburn be able to watch it. Stadium live. Yes, Yeager Stadium. I do like that stadium. It'll probably be a pretty quiet place what do you mean? on Saturday. They're one in seven. Do you think they're going to sell out? <laughs> it's not going to be. It'll be quiet for their audience. Our audience will be screaming their butts off until we score like over. If people four go touchdowns. to the game, that would be nice. I mean, there was a good crowd on Saturday. Over four. If we after we score over, if we're over four touchdowns, we're probably not going to celebrate. We're just going to go yay. <laughs> okay, what's your score for this one? Guessing that's how Lincoln was. Uh, well, they're kind of bad, so. 50. Should I do another 50? Yeah, let's go 56. Calculating. We're pretty good, so. 14. I love your optimism. If I could bottle that, I need that right now. I, I'm going to say 2413. I think the Bearcats could score a lot more points, but we'll see. I I think <laughs> I think that's more than fair after kind of what we've been seeing from our offense. So so we'll see. If we force some turnovers on defense, which I think we'll be able to. Their secondary is very, very young. Their offensive line's given up the most sacks in the MIAA. There's a lot of reasons to be hopeful for a pretty comprehensive Bearcat win, but Washburn always plays us tough. I've seen Washburn play us tough so many times. That's why I... It could be a blowout, and if I'll I'll come on here and and eat it next week, and I'll I'll give you a a formal apology, Eli, but I don't think so. Wait, you actually will? Sure. Please, I need a formal apology. Nobody ever tells me I will not submit sorry. it in writing, but I will give you a verbal formal apology. And you will tell me about how I'm the best at picking scores in the MIAA. I'm better than uh, the media. Um, I'm the best media at picking scores. And if you disagree, then you're just wrong. Hmm. I might not go that far, but I'll say that you're better than me. That's the not Bearcats saying much. score 56 points next week. That's not saying much, Dad. That I'm better than you. That's not saying much. Hmm. Okay. Ouch. You can pick teams well. Scores you're okay at. <laughs> you're gonna make me cry. On my I've own been podcast. closer. 
I've been closer to getting scores right. I've gotten I've gotten scores almost right like three times, and you've done it like once. I have all of it here. I've kept all of the sheets this year. I normally don't do that. I've written it out really nice. So we'll see. We'll have something to talk about at the end of the season. I mean, I've still been right two more times than you have. So Okay, we're done. Cut it out. <laughs> we don't go with a margin of how off we were on the score. I mean, maybe that's something we keep track of next year. To have kind of a running total to see who is... Uh, the closest. Mm-hmm. All right, buddy. Well, you got anything else to say? Anything else you want to talk about? What's been going on at Nothing. school? Anything? Nothing. Do you like it when adults ask you about school? I. It's okay. If it's like my parents, no, it's not okay. It's annoying. If it's someone uh, that I don't see very often, like maybe someone I see once or twice a week, they ask me how school was, oh, that's fine. Are you excited about Halloween? We've got that that's between now and... Uh... Yep, I am. We still don't know about the costume yet, do we? Nope. Still brainstorming. We got time, though. We got time. We have tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We have tomorrow. <laughs> We're busy okay. Friday and Saturday. All right, buddy. Okay. You ready to wind it down here? Take us home? Yes. You're just, okay, before I say it, you're just mad you don't have a cool saying. I don't have a and catchphrase. It, and it's lame. My catchphrase is better than yours because you don't have I one. I don't have one. So, no, I know your catchphrase. So technically, any catchphrase you would come up with would be better than mine because I don't have one. What about, I'm a little fart nugget? <laughs> that would be a very strange catchphrase to have. That was a very scary laugh. <laughs> that, was... that laugh wasn't as bad, but the other one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cut it out, you little witch. Anyway... <laughs> The Bearcats aren't yellow. They're not blue. They're not orange. They're green. All right. No funny business from me this week. There you go. Mr. Eli with the Bearcats, according to Eli. And uh, as a a wind things down, let's say, I want to say this is, again, this week has been a rough week. Um, And it was a rough day Sunday for the team. And is the finality of you've only got three games left is kind of sinking in, I'm sure, to everyone. And there's, again, there's criticism to go around. I just kind of choose not to pile on. At the end of this season, I will have a valuation of the season as a whole. And I'll have comments on things. And there's going to be some criticism. Um, I I just don't see the point, really, in uh, in doing that now. The season's not over. Who knows? You know, you want to criticize the offense? You certainly can. But here's the reality of it. You got three games left. They're against the three teams that have given up more points than anyone else in the MIAA. And so here's the time for the offense to shine. Be great to see some guys have some fun, turn it loose a little bit. Um, you know, that that's kind of what I want to see. If... Uh, you know, listen, you don't, 
you don't bench your seniors, and and I'm not saying that. I'll I'll never say on here. Um, I, I can't foresee a situation where I would say on here, you bench this guy, play this person, whatever. Kind of like firing a coach. It's it's, just, it's not going to happen on here. Okay, and. But it would be nice, right, to see maybe see some young guys get some snaps. Now, the next two games, even though you got Northeastern State in a couple of weeks, you don't get to travel. You know, it's not like at home having as many players. And Coach Wright said he intends to ride with who you know with who brought him, and uh, and and these seniors let them go out. Let's have some fun. You know, there has that's this has been a real fun season for anybody. But you know, hopefully, as the finality of We've only got three games left. Kind of sinks in. Maybe we can kind of turn it loose a little bit, and uh, specifically offensively, hopefully defensively too. I mean, listen, this week you're playing a team that's given up more sacks than anyone else in the conference, and uh, you know you, you you hope your uh, your D linemen kind of licking their chops. Maybe you you know bring a little bit more pressure and 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 Doomy gets a sack or, or something like that. So um, we'll see. It'll be interesting. Hopefully, um, it's it's. Uh, happiness smiles and 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 we're talking about a bearcat win next week on the podcast but a couple of things if you're interested in a t-shirt i'm still putting together a, a second order of t-shirts together if you want to look at what those look like if you've uh, if you haven't seen those yet you can go to social media either bleeding green podcast the facebook group you can also go on twitter underscore bleeding underscore green is the twitter page be sure to like or follow whatever the uh, either Facebook or Twitter and uh, and check those out if you like that send me a message you can uh, you can send a, a private message on, on either Facebook or Twitter and uh, you know get, get your order in I'm gathering this second order I'm kind of have to order them in batches they're twenty dollars no matter what size a few dollars of that goes to benefit yours truly and the podcast again any anything I make or, or bring in through the podcast is what it's going back towards and so I'm not to the point where, um, you know, the uh, the whole year's worth of expenses, right, are paid for. That would be great if we get to a point. Um, you know, if, if uh, you know, you want to buy a T-shirt, that's great. If you want to make a donation, you can do that. Venmo at Bleeding Green Podcast is on Venmo. And that's the same way to pay for the T-shirts. Same deal. I, uh, I do have to um, pay for them when I order them. So... If you tell me what shirt you want, but don't pay me, that's not going to get ordered. I will reach out to you though. It's not, you know, and, and try to make sure that we make that happen. But uh, hopefully, I'm hoping to get that first batch of T-shirts by the end of the season, by November 11th, Senior Day. So, um, anyway, there's an option if you'd like me to ship them. I can. It's going to be a little bit more. I'm not looking to really make any money on the shipping part. We'll figure that out when it comes time to do that. But anyway. I'm going into way too much detail. Just hit me up if you want a t-shirt and we'll go from there. Or if you can't find the picture, hit me up and I'll send you a picture of what the t-shirts look like. The other thing is my amazing sign that I uh, purchased for my buddy Curtis, who owns Moonlight Metalworks LLC. They're on Facebook. You can look them up. I'm going to, it's, it's a metal Bearcat sign. It did the old paw for me and it's backlit in green lights and did a fantastic job. Now, I paid for this thing, and so um, he does all kinds of stuff. He does fire rings and all this thing is 
I don't know, 18 inches or so long and a foot tall, something like that, this this football. But it's got the old paw on it, which, you know, just makes me happy, makes me smile. I love my old paw. The new paw's fine. It's good. It's nice. But the old paw is just, uh, yeah, what makes this guy happy. But anyway, I, by the time this uploads, you'll see I've shared pictures of that. You can check those out on on social media as well and uh, give him some business. You can, you can message him. He makes signs. He's got all kinds of cool stuff on his Facebook page. No sponsorship or anything. Again, I, I bought the sign, but I am so – I had expectations, and I gave him a budget. He came in under budget and exceeded my expectations. I mean, come on. And and listen, he's a top-notch guy. He's, he's, uh, he's great. Moonlight Metalworks. LLC, check him out on Facebook, and uh, it doesn't have to be Bearcat. He's done all kinds of stuff. And, and if if you're Matt Trenton and you're a Cardinals fan, he's got some cool Cardinals stuff too. So uh, if you're a Royals fan like me, I don't know why any of us would. <laughs> Maybe in a few years, but anyway, let's let's talk about happy. We're trying to talk about happy things here on the podcast. Um, anyway, wanted to throw that in there. I couldn't be any happier with this thing. It is awesome. And uh, anyway, I, I just have to brag about it. I'm still smiling about it, sitting right here beside me. I'm surprised Eli and I didn't talk about it. But uh, anyway, that's going to do it for this edition of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel. As always, be kind, because kindness makes a difference. And don't forget, as always, no matter what, go Bearcats! Bearcats!